Grace, mercy, peace, it's all yours. From God our Father and through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, welcome to week one of this new sermon series called Undeserved Love. If I were to ask you what makes the Christian faith unique, what makes it different than all the other religions and all the other world philosophies out there, what would it be? Is it the fact that we have one of these? A holy book we call the Holy Bible that we look to for guidance, for direction and help in life? Well, this is good, but a lot of other religions have holy books that they look to for guidance and help. Is it the fact that we're here on a Sunday morning and we're having religious services and we gather for special holidays throughout the year? Well, no. Many other religions do that too. Is it our belief in an afterlife? Right? We say when we die, there's an afterlife. We, we know it, it's heaven, and we believe that we're going to live in heaven with God. A lot of others believe that too. Is it the fact that we got a list of commandments, 10 of them that God gives us in direction on how to live our lives? Again, any system you look at, they have the same thing. So what is it? What separates Christianity from every religion and philosophical thought on the planet? That was the question that a group of really smart people asked a long time ago. A bunch of scholars got together and they were looking at all the, the different religions of the world and they were trying to answer that question. What is different, what is unique about the Christian faith? And they went back and forth and they talked about some of the things that we just talked about and, and they were still undecisive. They weren't sure. Well, at some point during the debate, in walks a guy named C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he was probably one of the more famous or most famous authors of the 20th century on Christian works. You might know him from The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, right? Chronicles of Narnia, same C.S. Lewis. And he walks in and they said, Mr. Lewis, what makes the Christian faith different? What makes it unique? And after hours of debate, he walks in, they ask the question, and he says, that's easy. It's grace. If you want a little more modern example, there's an author out there called Philip Yancey who wrote a book called What's So Amazing About Grace, and he came to the same conclusion. What makes Christianity different? What does the Christian church have that nobody else has? It's grace. It's God's undeserved love. And so that's what we're going to take a look at. Over the next three weeks, we're going to look at one of the most prominent, most important foundational truths in all of Scripture. And I think it's important that we talk about it so that we don't forget it, because what God is going to say about grace is completely different than what the world says. Right? Everything that the Bible says about God's undeserved love is going to fly in the face of how you grew up, what you've been taught, what the world says is to be true. It's this truth of grace and undeserved love that makes Christians and the Christian faith different than any other one on the planet. So, 
as we begin this morning, what is grace? If you take notes, you don't have to say this out loud, but, but I want you to start thinking of a good working definition of how you would wrap your mind around the concept of grace. And maybe it depends on how long you've been in the church of how you would answer that. Right? Maybe some of us lifers, we would answer it one way. Maybe if you're new, you would answer it another way. But again, maybe it's difficult because the world answers it a different way. Completely opposite, right? What is a definition of grace? It's God's undeserved love. Grace is loving somebody who's not lovable. Grace is is showing mercy and kindness to somebody who doesn't deserve it. Grace is loving someone even when they hurt you and offend you and push back. Grace is loving even your arch enemy. And that's hard. And so maybe that's why in the Christian church we, we sometimes forget grace. Maybe we don't forget the word or, or the meaning, but we forget to actually live it. I came across a quote. I actually didn't just come across it. If you were in the Bible study, one of the first life group Bible studies on a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, an author by the name of Brennan Manning said this. He said, the church here in America today, accepts grace in theory, but denies it in practice. We say that we believe that the foundational structure of reality is grace, not works, but our lives refuse it. I think Mr. Manning is kind of on to something. You get what he's saying? He's saying, even as the Christian church, we might might be able to know what grace is. We know it here, but we don't always know it here. I can spit out an answer of what grace is if you're a Christian and go to a Christian church, but we don't always live it and act like we actually believe it. It's why you will hear things, and maybe they've even come out of your mouth or mine, things like, well, he got what he deserved. Or you know what? You reap what you sow. Or even teaching our kids, right? Jesus loves good little boys and girls as if he doesn't like the naughty ones and as if it's on our boys and girls to be good and then Jesus will love you. It's why we get angry at at that person who hurt us, why we might even hold a grudge on our spouse and, and demand that they do something to make it right. Where we say God forgives you, but... And we put more laws attached to that grace. And even the church is guilty of this. Even preachers who should know grace are are guilty of this because we live in a world where it's the opposite, right? We say you get what you deserve. If you work hard, you get rewarded. It's all about you. And we quickly turn Jesus and his grace into some self-help, do-it-yourself religion. That's not grace. Not biblical grace, not godly Jesus grace. 
it's performance-based love, but it's not the grace of the Bible. Because what is the grace that God gives to us? It's the grace that Jesus died even for that sin of yours so that you will be forgiven. Grace is Jesus saying, I punched your ticket to heaven and there's nothing you have to do. In fact, you can't do anything, so I did it for you. Here's the gift, full and free. Grace is Jesus who came and he took the punishment in our place. Right? I, I couldn't help but think yesterday talking to somebody, talking about that story we looked at a couple weeks ago, right? The stones throwing at that woman who committed adultery. And Jesus said, well, if you have no sin, throw the first stone. And they dropped all the stones and they left. And, and Jesus didn't condemn her. He forgave her. And, and so that's grace. Grace is instead of getting thrown, stones thrown at us, you know who got the stones thrown at him? Jesus. That's Grace. It's unearned. It's undeserved. You, you can't do enough to get it. Jesus won it for you and gives it to you freely. Grace. One thing I want to do for you right now, over the next two to three minutes, I, I kind of want to just lay out, as we look at some of our Bible readings, the two most important teachings in all of Scripture. Okay? If you've ever taken my starting point class, if you've ever gone through a Bible basics, any of that... You maybe know this, or maybe you'll remember it. It will refresh your memory. But it's the two basic teachings in all of Scripture. If you've been around the Christian church for a while, maybe you've heard law and grace, or sin and grace, law and gospel. That's where I'm going here. And we're going to look at our first Scripture lesson today to look at one of the teachings. Leviticus 19 says, Be holy as I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So foundational teaching number one, if you want to be with God, if you want to enjoy heaven with him, if you want to live for eternity with God who created the heavens and the earth, he says you have to be holy. That means never an angry word spoken, never a lustful thought, Never once greedy, never once thinking of yourself, never once disobeying your parents, never once even having a bad thought. No, God says perfect. God says holy. In other words, you have to be just like God. And if you're thinking maybe that's, well, that's an Old Testament passage with that, with that tough God of the Old Testament, but not the God of the New, Jesus in Matthew 5, in the middle of his most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, he was teaching of how people of God are to live in life. And then right in the middle of it, he says, be holy as your Father in heaven's holy. Pretty high standard. Not mine, his. And I don't know about you, but when I hear this, my first reaction, uh-oh. I'm not holy. I'm not even close to being holy. Just ask the people I live with. <laughs> or ask anybody here that has to work with me. I am nowhere near holy, and neither are you. In fact, all of us, Scripture says, has this disease called sin running through our veins, and there's nothing we can do about it. 
and it affects every man, woman, and child. Sin doesn't care if you're young or old. Sin could give a rip if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't care if you're black or white or Chinese or from India. It doesn't matter. It doesn't care. It affects them. And that leads us to our next passage, which maybe is even scarier. In Romans chapter 6, we're told that the wages of sin is death. You all know what a wage is, right? It's something you get for work put in. Well, the Bible says we put in sin and we get death. Can't escape it. We can deny it. We can say we're not going to listen, Pastor, when you talk about sin and plug our ears to it, but it doesn't change it. In fact, there's another passage that I didn't put up on the screen, but it says the soul who sins, which is everyone, will die. Sin is why we have broken relationships, why we have problems in our marriages and struggles with our kids and issues with people at work, and eventually sin is why we all We'll go to the funeral of our loved ones and someday they'll come to ours. Sobering, isn't it? All right, so so let me recap for you, right? Jesus says you want to live in heaven forever. Be perfect and you're good. And if you're not, well, you're, you're in trouble and you get death, physical and eternal death, separated from God forever. Hmm. What are we going to do? You know what the world does, right? The the world, it's all about performance-based love. And that's why we throw accolades, we throw praise, we throw promotions, we throw uh, um, more money in your paycheck, we throw all those things at people who work hard and do all the right things, but that's not going to work spiritually with God. Right? The world says things like, maybe you've heard this word, the world uses a word like karma. And I'll tell you what, I wish every Christian would take that word and get rid of it out of your vocabulary because it's not how God works. Because if God works on the basis of karma, you know what you get? You know what you get? Say it. Death. Right? If you get what you deserve, and Jesus says perfection is what you have to have, you get death. So we cannot operate that way. So don't ever say that as a Christian, right? Because karma, grace is the opposite of karma. Grace is what punches karma in the face and says, no, you're not going to get what you deserve. You're going to get what, what he came and won for you. That's undeserved love. And it's found only one place. Jesus. Right? It's love that, that was willing to leave his throne on high and come to this world that was broken and dying on its, choking on its own sin. It was lost and it didn't even know it, but he came anyway. It's love. Love that chose fishermen and tax collectors and terrorists and sex workers all to be his followers. It's love that hung out with the helpless And the hopeless, it was love that was called friend of sinners. And when anybody called Jesus a friend of sinners, they were not paying him a compliment at all. But Jesus knew it was a compliment because that's why he came. It was the love of Christ that came and went all the way to a cross where he was willing to die 
for you and for me. Right? Jesus was willing to be punished. Right? The wages of sin is death. So he said, Dad, I'll take their wage. I'll take their death so that they can go free. And on that cross, Jesus professed his undying love for you with every drop of blood that he shed in your place. On that cross, Jesus let you know that he would rather die and have to go to hell in your stead than to lose even one of you for all eternity. That's grace. That's undeserved grace love and unfortunately if you're anything like me it's something that you forget all the time right maybe you forget it when you start to think about that thing that you did years ago or that relationship that you're the cause of the riff in it and you've been carrying around the guilt and shame maybe for a day maybe for a week maybe for 10 years now because you just can't forgive yourself, right? I've had people tell me, Pastor, I can't forgive myself. Are you kidding me? God's more powerful than you, and he says he forgave you. <laughs> but we forget. Right? We forget that grace every time we, we hold something over somebody else. Every time we hold that grudge, every time we refuse to forgive, we're forgetting God's undeserved love that he just gave to us before we said we're sorry, before we figured it out, before we fixed our lives. He says, no, I will act on their behalf and love them and forgive them. And you know what the remedy is? The remedy for forgetting it, the remedy for not maybe living it, it's grace. (laughs) It's to go back and, and receive once again the amazing, undeserved love of God. It's to be reminded through his word, to be reminded through brothers and sisters that, yes, you screwed up and you sinned, but God has taken away that sin and you are free. Because that's grace. And you know the beautiful thing about grace is? Grace doesn't give a hoot. It doesn't give a rip who you are. It doesn't care if you're a preacher or you're a drunk. It doesn't care if you're a successful businessman or if you're down in your luck and you're eking it out paycheck to paycheck. It doesn't care if you're a nervous Nelly and you're always worried and doubting God or you're strong and you have everything figured out. It just doesn't care. Right? Grace doesn't care if you're a Sunday school teacher or a drug addict. It doesn't care if you're a virgin or a porn star. It doesn't care what your past is or, or how much bad you think you've done. It doesn't care what... what doesn't care about any of that, right? Grace is the love of God that cries out, come one, come all. Sinner and saint, all come and receive what you did not earn and what you do not deserve because of Christ. Right? Grace is what comes and wraps its arms around you and dries your tears and picks up the broken pieces of your life and says it's going to be okay because I'm here. It's going to be okay because I died for you. I love you. You're mine. That's grace. That's Jesus. And that's what he says to you today. What makes the Christian faith so unique? What makes it so different? 
You know, I, I mentioned that book earlier, What's So Amazing About Grace by Yancey, and, and he asked a woman who wasn't not a Christian, and I don't know if she really even wanted to, but she says, there's one thing that I am super jealous about. There's one thing that you Christians have that I don't have and the world doesn't have, so it doesn't offer me. And you know what her answer was? Forgiveness and grace. Through Jesus Christ, it's yours. Yours to rejoice in, yours to trust in, and yours to give to one another. Grace, the love of God through Jesus. Mm. I'm praying that you remember that truth this week as you live out your life in a broken world, that there is grace and forgiveness in him. Amen.